The Western Way News Podcast is made possible by support from listeners and readers like you. We're also accepting a limited number of sponsorships. If your organization would like to get your message in front of hundreds of Wayne County listeners, please email contact at westernwaynenews.com. I'm Nicole Powers, and I'm very proud to be celebrating 10 years clean. From Civic Spark Media and the Western Wayne News in Wayne County, Indiana, I'm Kate Jetmore. As a native of Richmond, Indiana, and longtime host of the Listen podcast, I'm excited to be sitting down with some of our neighbors and listening to the stories that define our community. My guest today is Nicole Powers, who, like many members of our community, has struggled with addiction. Here today to share her story with us, she's now been clean and sober for 10 years. Welcome, Nicole. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me, Kate. So behind every addict or recovering addict is, of course, a human being with a story to tell. Would you be so kind as to share your story with us? I sure would. I would love to share my story with you. Well, I think um, as a teenager, like most people do, you struggle with a sense of self-worth and things like that. And I think, you know, when I, I felt like when I got to the age where I could, I really started feeling those things um, that I found that like if I would drink alcohol or take a pill or something, it would make me feel better, you know, alter my state of mind so I wasn't you know thinking about the things that made me feel bad about myself or my depression you know and I think you know it undiagnosed depression at the time you know um played a big role no it didn't really play a big role what I I I guess what I mean is when you're feeling things like that as an addict it's easy to take something to help mask up your feelings so you don't have to deal with it and um you become I think I became emotionally addicted to what I was taking at that time you know not physically addicted but because it you know it 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 helped me when I thought I needed help and then I think too um when you're feeling bad about yourself and you can do something that tricks your mind into feeling happy and you know feel happy around other people or feel accepted. Maybe you have social anxiety or, you know, you just simply just don't feel good about yourself. And, um, you know, that's what happened to me. And then, you know, it was just through the years off and on. I, I wasn't really ever every day until I hit my 30s. Um, and then I started doing pills more regularly. And uh, I had a child and I had some shoulder surgery about a year after she was born from an old sports injury. I couldn't lift, you know, lift her. So um, after that, my doctor prescribed me with a lot of Percocets. You know, at the time, and it was 20, 2007, you know, they were very generous at the time with their prescriptions. And, um, and then also, and then when I was taking those and I started feeling better, then... Um, they were giving me that energy that I, you know, as a, a depressed, somebody with depression is always searching for that 
extra oomph or that energy to make it through the day. And then, you know, and, and that's what they were doing for me. And when that quit, you know, fast forward two or three years and it just becomes, that's when the physical addiction becomes an, a, an issue. I mean, your body is just so addicted and right. it was, I, you know, it was awful. I hated living like that. You know, I, ne I didn't want to live like that. Was there a point, Nicole, where the prescription for Percocet ran out that you were unable to get refills for the Percocet? Yes. I can remember having the surgery and my husband was angry that I even came home with 60 Percocets for a minor surgery with three refills. Mm. So, you know, and then once those, by the time I had reached the third refill, you know, then they were saying, we, we, we're going to have to cut you off. You know what I mean? I, I just, mm -hmm. yeah, I, and I'm not blaming it on the doctors, but I just feel like at the time that they didn't really understand about the epidemic that was to be, I mean, you know, mm -hmm. and what happened then, Nicole, how did you, I mean, you mentioned that these pills were giving you energy in a certain way. So I can imagine that when you suddenly didn't have them, you felt like you didn't have any energy. What what happened? That's when I started looking for them, you know, and and I, I found people that were able to, I would buy them from people, you know, spend your, you get your paycheck and you, it's already gone because you're, you spend it on these pills, you know, it just got way out of hand um, and then I guess um, I was introduced to heroin one time from a friend. Well, a friend, I guess, you know, I can't blame her. It's not her fault. She was, she's in recovery now too. I'm not going to, you know, but anyway, and it just became so much easier to get than the pain pills, you know, and, and, but then that became, you know, that's like, once you take heroin, it's, it does not take long to get addicted to it. It just, it's, mm -hmm. it gets a grip on you. And, um, I was working for my best friends from high school at the time. And I had access to the checking account and everything like that because, you know, I was a trusted, trusted employee. So I forged, started forging checks so I could feed my addiction. I was stealing from my best friends and, mm. and you know every day wondering what are you doing why are you doing this Nicole you know if you get caught you're going to go to prison what are you doing and then you know you get you get your dope and you feel better and you don't think about that until you know the next time you come down and it yeah. was awful I mean I wanted to die oh, I, my I, if, if it hadn't have been for my kids you know I might not have, you know, been strong enough to face the consequences. Well, in fact, you did get caught and you did go to jail. Yes. And you spent how long? Two years, three years in jail? Almost 20 months. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I Yeah, I got, you know, that, that saved me, basically. You know, those, my husband and my best friends, they were the people that at the midst of my addiction, in the depths of my despair, you know, all, even though I had stole from them and did them wrong, 
they they loved me, but they pressed charges against me, and they, I mean, they saved my life, mm. literally saved my life. Wow. Had they not pressed charges against me, you know, it's like I said, it is very, very hard to get off of heroin, and well, it, I, just, I mean, I this is not a struggle that I have had, but. I, I believe you, and I, I also understand that getting off heroin is, I mean, impossible even to think about. So it is amazing that you have been able to take on that challenge and take it on successfully. So when you were in the thick of that struggle, I mean, I know that recovery from addiction is a is a daily challenge and I'm sure you're you still deal with that but when you were in the thick of it what were some of the local resources or programs or people that made it possible for you to stay on that path well um like I said the people my husband and my best friends you know they helped me by just by you know getting making me face the consequences to my actions you know and that was scary I I didn't want to turn myself in and especially didn't want to go to jail being sick from you know having to come off of the heroin so my extended family at that point reached out to me and they paid for me to go to um, Indianapolis to the Salvation Army I spent a week there and um, detoxed so that was, I mean, not great, but I mean, it it was wonderful that I didn't have to go to jail sick because the eight months that I was in the county jail, I couldn't even tell you how many girls I can't, I saw and come in there sick from heroin, dope sick from coming off of it. And, you know, they don't care there that what you're coming off of, you know, it's, and, and they really... I mean, should they? I don't know. Well, I like I like hearing you. I like hearing you ask those questions because you know it's not a black and white issue. There are really difficult um, issues that need to be struggled with as we look at what's happening to yes. you know. In your case, what was happening to yourself, and in the case of you know, members of the community, um, Americans who are watching this epidemic play out. I mean, how, how do we deal with this? How do we help people? How do we best support people? I mean, one of the things you just said was, I had to come clean about stealing money from my friends who were also my bosses, and they pressed charges. And that was a good thing. Absolutely. I mean, that's yeah. a really complicated sentence. <laughs> it is very, very complicated. But the best thing to the ending to the sentence is in 2018, they asked me to come back to work for them. And so I've been there since then. And wow. So that is like, you know, that's, I, I couldn't have, I mean, you know, I dreamt of them asking me to come back when I got out of prison and, you know, was clean a few years and. So it's like, oh, that's it's just, amazing. I know it really is. It really is. And, but as far as like, when you asked about the resources, when you're in the midst of the, your addiction, that's kind of a difficult question to answer because, you know, are you really looking for a resource? Are you looking for help? 
I mean, I know, you know, maybe some people aren't. Like, like I said, I hated that feeling every day, but I just didn't know how to come out of it. I knew that there were, honestly, I knew about the methadone clinic and that was it. I had no idea about other resources like the um, groups mm-hmm. recover together, I think is the one in Richmond that, that, that one, if I had known about that, and there's actually one of those in Connersville and in Newcastle, mm. which is, you know, surrounding the Western Wing. Mm-hmm. I had no idea. Mm-hmm. Um, but that would, you know, that would have been a good resource because that was one thing my husband said is, you know, you're not doing the methadone route. And I agree with that. And I feel like Suboxone is different. I, you know, I know they're both, they both attach to the opioid receptor in your brain. But the Suboxone is at a much lower level. And I feel like, you know, I just feel like my eyes have been open to some resources that people might have. For me, that wasn't the way. But I, I feel like if somebody needed that, then absolutely. Um, yeah. It's, I mean, I one know. thing I hear you saying, and, you know, you and I have talked about this many times as friends right. we're friends from high school we went to rhs together yay um is that when you were in the depths of your addiction all you wanted was to feel better you just wanted to feel better and so when it comes to resources you know when it comes to you know what resources could you find what resources were you looking for I mean, I can imagine that the mo- if your goal is just to feel better or just to not feel sick, right, which is how right. you felt when you weren't taking the drugs, Yes. that, you know, you're just looking for the easiest and fastest way to just not feel awful. Yeah, it's true. I mean, you are at the expense of everybody around you. I mean, you just... Yeah. What about, I mean, when you, when you look back, Nicole, are there any services or programs that you wish had existed or any um, examples that you've seen in other parts of the country or even other parts of the world that could be implemented here in Wayne County that you think would be helpful for people in a similar position? Well, I feel like, um, it's like we have a recovery center here in Cambridge City. Um, I think it's called Recovery Works. I'm not sure. I, I can't speak on it because I don't know. Mm-hmm. But I feel like um, when they first came to town, they reached out in the Western Wing News, I believe, maybe asking for people to if they wanted to share their story or, mm-hmm. you know. And I had reached out and nobody responded. But I feel like things like that are sporadic around here of like, Number one would be, number one is that the in a smaller community, the stigma is still there. I mean, mm-hmm. it's still, it's still, as a recovering addict, as a still struggling addict, as a parent of an addict or a, a child of an addict, you know, there's still so many people that it's, no, we don't talk about that. You know, we don't, we don't want to hear about it. We don't discuss it. And mm-hmm. You know, number one, that it needs to become more normalized to discuss it and to help people. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, like, programs for the school going in, I mean, you know, I'd be interested in going to the 
elementary or the high school and talking to the kid maybe not the elementary but the high school you know what I mean and just Mm -hmm. even if it's not to just you know they have counselors that come in there from center stone or wherever and they have the counselors at school but they don't ever have anybody that comes in there to talk to them that has actually lived life and that might actually be facing or have faced what they're facing you know whether it be a parent or themselves or if they're struggling you know what I mean and yeah Nicole, where do you get your courage? I mean, do you even see it as courage when you speak out in a public way like this and share your story on a public platform? Or does it just for some reason feel so natural to you? I mean, you you yourself use the word stigma, and yet you're so generous and open about sharing your story. Absolutely. I, I love to share my story. You know, I don't really see it I think initially like I am not clearly I'm I'm get tongue-tied when I talk I'm not a very confident person speaking to people but when I speak about my recovery to people that I meet people that I don't even know I'm very confident and that's what I feel confident because for what I'm gonna be 52 for you know what 40 years I've been searching for that confidence and that you know I feel great about myself finally you know what I mean like I had to go through hell to get here but I feel like when I share my story and I walk away and the people that I've talked to are better because of it and I I don't feel like Mm. oh that who because I'm great but I am great I feel you know 10 years ago, I would have never said that about myself. So, you know, I... Yeah. And my hope with this conversation and this podcast is that your voice will reach people who either are personally struggling with addiction or they have a loved one, someone in their family or a close friend who's struggling with addiction. And that listening to your story and hearing that you are 10 years clean will speak to them and inspire them. I'm wondering, as we wrap up, is there any advice that you would like to share with any of those people who are out there listening today? Well, my my advice would be to just, if you're struggling today, number one, I, I love you and I, you know, want you to get well. Um, if you're, you're a family member, you know, don't lose hope. You know, just continue to extend your arms out to your loved one that that may not know that they need it or may not have reached rock rock bottom yet, you know, and it's hard to watch that and and sit back and watch it and not be able to do anything about it. Um, I don't know that just just try to find something in yourself to want to want to be better for if you're struggling um the the rewards are great it's going to be a lot of work but whether you have 10 years clean or you have one hour clean if you have one hour clean to me you're kicking ass and you're stronger than i am because that one hour was hard i'm living it easy these days you know not easy but you know what i mean i am not you'd make it through a day and i'm telling you what I'll give you a medal because that's great. You know, 10 um, years, 10 years is just a long string of days and hours. 
It's yeah, like absolutely. building a building with bricks. You just have to put one on top of the next one, don't you? Yes. If anybody wants to reach out, if, if anybody has questions or struggling or, you know, wants to talk, reach out and reach, you know, send me a message on Messenger. I'll be more than happy to talk to you and help you find resources if you need them. Oh, Nicole, that is really beautiful. And, you know, to offer that lifeline is just extremely generous. And I have to say, I'm not at all surprised knowing you as I do. <laughs> um, I want to thank Aww. you so much for joining me today. I'm so glad that you're alive. And I'm so glad that you're using your voice for good. Thank you, Kate. I love you. Your support means the world to us. You can subscribe to the Western Wayne News Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to rate and review our show as it helps more listeners like you to find these stories. For more information, visit our website at westernwaynews.com. I'm Kate Chetmore, and I'll see you next time.